Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We are rolling pedals for the gold medals. Our job is to win. Astana is my team. We are riding to win, and it will be done. Astana is my team from Kazakhstan. We are rolling pedals for the gold medals. Our job is to win. Astana is my team. We are riding to win, and it will be done. Astana is my team from Kazakhstan. Well, that was, uh, um, yeah. Mm. We're using a different medium today, so a sound might sound a little bit different. But why is that? It, why, is, just, why is that? Why is that, David? Why is that? Um, because I left my microphone at the Chapter Three Studio, and so we're having to improvise. Mm. But I, I'm quite sure this will be very good. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, How are you doing? I, well, we can't be sure. We've never tried it before, but um, hopefully, it's hopefully it's working. Yeah. It'll yeah. Be fine. It'll be fine. Um, um, that was Astana. That was um, Team Astana doing a rap, David. I'm a little bit disturbed by it. What I find disturbing, because they did it, what, three or four years ago the first time? When you had, like, Vino kind of standing up and being, oh, yeah. like, the head rapper. Do you think it's all his idea, uh, then? Do you think it's, like, all come from him? Like, he fancies himself as a as that kind of guy. I think he does think he's, like, Kanye West. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really good, because, I mean, I, the, the, the idea is great, but it's so cycling. And there's yeah. nothing cool about it. Quite funny, but, though. Um, Some of the lines are quite funny, aren't they? I mean, it's quite I, it's self-deprecating and a bit ironic. And they're making jokes about no, shaving it's, legs and it's stuff. it's good. I'm not, I'm not going to... Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's really... I, what I find really confusing about it is that Astana's not the team you'd expect to do that. No, that's... that's You've put the, hit the nail on the head. That is what is slightly... Um, yeah, slightly uh, disarming about it, isn't it? Like, mm. it was more... Which team would you... Ex- that's an Orica Green Edge kind of an idea, isn't it? Or uh, well, that's what they used to do, wasn't you- it? Orica Green Edge used to do all the time. You see their music videos. When, um, well, they kind of... They invented... They invented interesting social media, didn't they, for cycling teams? Because up till then, everything had been totally lame. And most of it still is, to be fair. But um, it's becoming increasingly a competitive market, isn't it? I mean, they're like... I'd hate to be a social media manager. Well, listen, I'd hate to be a social media manager, but but I would now Ned, really hate to Ned. be a social... What? Well, I'm not going to be one, am I? I'm not going to be one. You are a social media manager. You're a social media manager of your own life. Yeah, that's true. I wish I wasn't, but Isn't I am. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's no, what that's we true. do. We don't, we don't have social media managers. We just get it done. Yeah, but I don't have to... I'm not answerable to anyone other than me, am I? Like, so, you know, I can... M- maybe occasionally I get... I get hauled into my own personal boardroom, you know, and uh, like I have to justify and explain myself, particularly that's if I've why been in a... Twitter. That's why in Twitter you have back soon as your bio. Yeah, exactly. You just, I do. You just hedged your bets. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. You couldn't do that if you were representing somebody else. You couldn't put the bio back soon. No, because that would that kind of it defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. you have your moments where you just dip out. Yeah, I need to. I need to make them more frequent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, oh. I'm quite angry about politics at the moment. You might have noticed. Talking of which, I, I, um, hadn't, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> oh yeah, well. Um, talking of which, um, uh, it's quite weird, isn't it? It's quite weird. The Astana rap because it is quite good and it is quite funny, but. It is, uh, <laughs> you know, Astana represents a country which is run by a, an appalling dictator at the moment who is clamping down on civil rights and protest and imprisoning people and God knows what else. 
and that you know and the manager of the team is one of the most notorious figures in all of kind of systemized doping in uh in the history of cycling and yet that's fine They'll just do a rap and it's all quite funny because Buaro's picking up a bike and sort of playing it like it's a guitar and someone makes a joke about yeah. shaving their legs so we're quite yeah. we are in our i think as cycling as, as a cycling audience i think we are and also maybe just because the world is so tiresome at the moment we're quite on the lookout for escapism and we're quite mm-hmm. ready and possibly too ready just to kind of turn the blind eye and look the other way and go it's fine because it's a funny rap and um we quite enjoyed it you know i quite like the fact that nibali obviously wasn't up to rapping at all in english so they gave him a little line in italian to rap so that's so cool yeah Yeah. so i mean this is jump this is running this is ruining the running order because we have a running order today we do um we do uh it was about i've only met tom pickcock once and it was a tour of yorkshire maybe four years ago Oh yeah. Um when we were there and but I met him literally when we went up on the podium. You might have been MCing. Oh, in Leeds. And in Leeds, yeah. Yeah, in the city centre, and, yeah. Hmm. And I was so and he was he was eighteen at the time, nineteen. Riding for and, the G B team. Yeah. yeah. And the first thing I thought was, ooh. You were like a little indie rock star because mm, he mm. just had that indie vibe, which is completely different. He mm. was kind of small, had this attitude, very kind of British punk kind of, and which you can't, you could never imagine Tom Pickcock doing rap or hip hop. <laughs> He'd have to be like, oh, um, uh, what's that Sheffield band? Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, or Pete Doherty he's, from Baby he, Shambles. Like, oh, he's, yeah, he's, he's a kind of mashup of uh, Pete Arctic Doherty, Monkeys and Baby Shambles. Yeah, oh, yeah he's yeah. super Pete Doherty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, so uh, in that sense, it's it's I'd, I'd much prefer Astana to be more like Super Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's so extraordinary. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but it's hilarious because Supertramp are just a, they're a band that makes me laugh anyway, just by mentioning their name, makes me laugh because they are, they use the clarinet. I mean, no other, you know, they, heavy use of the clarinet um, and silly high voices, but not in a really brilliant way like the Bee Gees, just in a Supertrampy kind of way. Um, Supertramp, it was like, yeah, it was kind of, they they did like a, a kind of a wall of sound, but not quite the wall of sound. Super Trump. <laughs> they kind of excelled in their mediocrity, didn't they? Um, ah, brilliant. Uh, I mean, they were brilliant. They were, um, yeah. So, like hang beans. on, heart. Did you quite like Super Trump, David? Uh, no, I don't know much about Super Trump, but I know enough about them to um, appreciate. Uh, no, mm. appreciate them. I think it's, okay. Uh, they they were stadium. Oh yeah. Well, this is the this is the amazing thing. They filled the stadium yeah. with the sound of their um, winsome winsome lyrics and the clarinet. <laughs> winsome lyrics. They, yeah. God, I wish yeah. I had great winsome lyrics. But I know. Uh, I, going I, back I, to that, because because no, because you know, this is what's really interesting. Because the whole vibe at the moment is the Beatles and the Get Back. Because it's what the fiftieth. 50 years mm. since they did their final Savile Row on the roof okay. and you have the, the yep. Disney documentary, which is kind of a big brother of the band over those weeks when they were putting that final album together. Uh, and that was good. Then John went, did his thing. George Harrison went off and did his thing. And then Paul McCartney, who's a genius, went off and did Wings. And yeah. essentially kind of built what the 1970s popular music could be. And that was yeah. a huge stadium band, Wings. Yeah. Everyone forgets yeah. about Wings. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and, Super and, Tramp kind of, t- kind of took the inspiration. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I've not, th- not thought about it like that. I mean, to be honest, I haven't thought a great deal about Super Tramp since 
my my teens when I was I can confess this to you now because I've I've got no shame really but um but but I, I was um I was quite a collector of I was quite a collector of their music David even to the extent that I got um I got into their I got quite into their in fact I'd still maintain some of their best work was before they made it big you know before Breakfast in America There was an album called Indelibly Stamped. Now, um, Indelibly Stamped, if you you, you do a Google Images search on Indelibly Stamped by Supertramp, and you will now understand that 12-year-old me, um, there was a record shop on Bedford High Street called Andy's Records, and um, it stocked Indelibly Stamped, and I wanted to buy Indelibly Stamped. But have you found it? The, the, al- the, the photograph, the, pho- the artwork on the on the on the album, was basically a a pair of naked it's, naked it's female tattoos. breasts. Uh, well, describe and it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it looks like uh, a woman who's had children, um, who her naked breasts are there. She's folding her arms. Uh, there are prolific tattoos, a rose in between with all the leaves etc then pretty hardcore tattoos in the arms as well yeah it's it's um it's a pair of breasts it is a pair of breasts and they're they're photographically you know rendered but they're not they're they're honestly not the you don't really focus on them uh i was 12 i was 12 it was it was the uh, you know it was the early 1980s david um Mm -hmm. this was i wanted to buy the album and the number the number of times I went into Andy's records and um, picked the album out of the rack, you know, the, got, flicked through all the S's, found the album and walked the two paces up to the counter and bottled it and put it back and walked out of the shop again. I had about four or five false attempts before because I thought I was I thought it would be illegal for me to buy it. You know, I was too young. Uh, the whole thing was quite traumatic. But I would say I think it's their best album. Really? So you're buying it for the music, not the um, the album cover? Nowadays, I well, I bought it for the album cover back in the day, but now nowadays I would I would recommend I would recommend music. I think it's um, get get your head around this. I think it's even better than Supertramp's subsequent work. <laughs> um, what? Listen, um. <laughs> Shall we have the jingle? <laughs> we should. Let's let's go. So anyway, cyclocross, David. Cycl- let's start with cyclocross. Should we start with cyclocross? Since you mentioned Tom yeah, Pickock and Pete. So I, so um, we had a bit of a cyclocross party on Sunday um, here Ooh. in Girona. At the Chat Three Studio, um, we had uh, Lachlan Morton was there, um, and uh, our team, Mikkel and Mark and Ross and Vitor and uh, and Alistair, and we watched the bike race. And I was super excited. I went into commentary mode, but about a third into it, it was over. Well, and. And I got really excited because I was just then enjoying the flow and all the different things he did. But I'm afraid to say it backed up your opinion of cyclocross. Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, it did a bit, didn't it? A race in reverse. You know, it's kind of decided in the early part and then it's just confirmation of what we already know. So it's like it's like watching Pogacar attack on a, on a summit finish, isn't it? You know, um, and may the best man win. Oh, look, he has. But it takes you sort of half an hour to establish that um but having but, said but that he, david having said that i thought the women's i watched much more of the women's um elite race than i did of the men's uh, that's i heard it was so much better and that was great i mean that was undeniably yeah. great because it was a contest right to mm-hmm. the last and um yeah. lucinda brandt and mariana voss could not shake one another off mm-hmm. you know try yeah. as they might um but there was always this kind of in, impending sense that voss is just she's got the kick she's got she's, the sprint she's She's, I am you know, such yeah. a fanboy of Marina Voss. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. she's just the way she, the style she has on a bike. Yeah. She has few peers 
in the male peloton anybody how good she looks when she gets yeah. out of the saddle the way she corners yeah the, her general demeanor it's pure class i mean yeah. absolutely the form was perfect yeah. and then the fact what was it a 12th cyclocross world championship or something no no or? no 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 eighth eighth Eight, oh, only and how many mountain yeah. bike world championships does she have oh uh, pff, don't know uh, it's inc- like it's incredible it's yeah, Some it's incredible. Road. Is it? I think it's four road titles. Is it four road and Olympic, Olympic gold? Yeah, and, Olympic gold in London. I mean, and don't forget, she won. She won a medal in um, on the track. She won a gold medal on the track in mm. um, Beijing in two thousand and eight. And here we are, and it's twenty twenty two. She's mine. <laughs> and she just become, you know. Uh, <sighs> so it is. It if, is. It is. Truly, if we truly. had loads of money, I would. She'd be my dream marquee athlete for chapter three marion voss yeah 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 she'd just be the ultimate yeah but then she also yeah yeah but then just jumping back to pickock and going back to the men's race what was interesting about it is this is where bike racing is really interesting when you watch it i could watch it for a further 40 uh, yeah 40 minutes and be adding all the bits from his past and reference and think this is beautiful how he he won the olympics the story the way he races but you can't do that if you don't know the background and also the fact he was the he was going for the first ever british world championship in that event mm, so mm. if you're watching it as a layman you can just go oh, dude's just gone off the front mm-hmm. and he's gonna but the the backstory to him is enormous and and that that was what I was enjoying, just watching kind of this dude is incredible. And then it's it's possible that he might win the mountain bike world championships this year. And it's not out of the question that he could go to the road world championships in Mel- in Australia. I can't remember where they are. Um, Geelong is it Geelong? I think Geelong. Geelong. Oh, back yeah. in Geelong. That's yeah, where they were in twenty ten. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I got a silver medal in Geelong. I know. You yeah. yeah. Um, and. He's one of those few riders where potentially it's not out of the question that he could be the first ever to win road world, cyclocross world, mountain bike world in one year. And you are human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so that's kind of, I could allow myself that kind of interest in watching those 40 minutes of him just killing everybody. Because I thought, actually, this this is more than this race. This kid's yeah. doing something completely different. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's what Mariana Voss has been doing for years. She's run. Yeah. She's won road world championships, cyclocross, mountain bike, track, Olympic medals, gold medals. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and the fact, as you said, she, the fact she's still back there at this point doing it when it's never been more competitive women's cycling. And and on that, Zoe Baxter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. She's dominated her age group, hasn't she, this year? From mm. what I can, from what I can mm. gather in cyclocross, so mm. yeah, that's, that's hugely impressive. But going back, going back to Tom Pidcock, um, mm. I think he's a. Uh, I, I, I mean, quite apart from his sheer versatility, do you remember that time that we were commentating on the Tour de France and he just won the Baby Giro, oh, yeah. and I just I, we were on air and not much was yeah. happening in our race, and I just called him up speculatively in a break and said Tom do you fancy talking on ITV and he went yeah right and he was just he was behind the podium waiting to sort of pull on the the final pink jersey wasn't he having won three I think three back-to-back summit finishes and just getting better and better (laughs) yeah and and um and he was so chilled wasn't he and I remember talking to him talking to him then thinking but ever since I mean I've, I've spoken to Tom a lot um ever since he was probably 16 17 off and on and um I think he's a really, really interesting dude. I mean, it goes back to the Pete Doherty thing. I think he's a non-conformist. I, you know, he's got his he's got his rather softly spoken but very strongly held political beliefs as well that he occasionally just trickles into his his. Um, you know what he is? Know. He's he's the best of Gen Z. Yeah, and yeah. He's the best yeah. of Gen Z. He's he's so. Uh, I watched an interview of, of him recently. I think it was an Ineos were doing with their interviews with their riders. And it was Matt Stevens, I think, uh, uh, our friend who was doing it for GCN for Ineos. Yeah. And he said, if you had a time machine, what would you do? And he was like, well, I don't know. What do you mean? He said, you can go in the future or the past. He was like, oh, I'd maybe go 50 years in the future. 
And I was like, why? Cause I go, and he, it was like, then can I come back? And it was like, well, yeah, but you can't <laughs> change anything. And he said, oh, I come back and tell people how much we've messed up our world. Yeah, yeah. And how we need to change things. And I was like, yeah. oh. and he just does it in such a genuine way. He's he's literally the best of Gen Z. Yeah, um, he sees he's he knows there's a responsibility, but he's not pushing it in anybody's faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just yeah. being himself, isn't he? He's very authentic. Yeah. 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 And then we've got Valverde. And we got Alejandro. Yeah. Alejandro. Before the, listen, before we come to the other races, um, I would like to play a little contribution that was sent us by email um, by a, a a listener called Steve Eagles who apparently I met at the Ruler Live event. Um, but I can't remember meeting Steve. Sorry, sorry about that, Steve. But I'm sure it's, we had There's a, a lot of people there, to be honest. Yeah, there are a lot of people there. Um, but um, Steve has resent, and I genuinely can't remember whether we put this in the podcast ever before, and nor can Steve, because he doesn't remember hearing it. But he did a little, he did a little uh, musical tribute to Tom Simpson, and he's been reminded of, you know, great British cycling heroes called Tom, after what Tom Pidcock did at the Cyclocross Worlds. And he has adapted Space Oddity by David Bowie to fit, kind of, kind of, a, a cycling context. This is about Simpson, but it's a little bit of Pidcock in. And it's sung by Steve Eagles, and it kind of works. Thereabouts? <laughs> Ground control to Major Tom. The road control of Major Tom. The road control of Major Tom. Don't take those protein pills nor put your helmet on. The road control of Major Tom. Commencing grand depart, beat the peloton. Check your Peugeot and may God's love be with you. This is the road control of Major Tom. He's really made the grade. And Lequip want to know whose jersey that he'll wear. Now it's time to take Von Two on if you dare. This is Major Tom, I have control. France is passing by and I'm riding in a most heroic way and the roads feel very different today for here am I a rare Englishman far away from home on my sleeves red white and blue and here comes Van too. Though I'm past one hundred and some miles, I'm riding hard still, and I think my bike knows which way to go. Tell my wife I love her very much, she knows. The road control of Major Tom on his bike, he says, put me back on. Can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you hear me, Major Tom? You died a hero on Von Two, and there's nothing we could do. Well, uh, come back, Super Tramp. All is forgiven. <laughs> That's um. They were thanks very much, Super Tramp. <laughs> yeah. I just say Steve um, Eagles. He deserves to be frontman of a band. <laughs> Steve like Eagles. Steve Eagles. Absolutely. Um, hey, David. Before we talk about racing, um, Egan, Egan, mm. Danal. Yeah. Hey, that was genuinely uh, shocking. Shocking. Yeah. It's properly shocking. Yeah. Because it was uh, Christian Vanderveld, my old teammate. Uh, uh, from Garmin days is a great friend who is, does the same job as I do for NBC, um, as a, the color commentator. Yeah. And we always message and we're talking a lot at the moment. And he said, do you see what happened? Do you see the Egan crash? And I was like, no. 
because I'm kind of avoiding social. And he said, check it out. And I was like, went on and did the whole like uh, rubber necking on social. And then you saw the images and I just saw the back of a bus that was just compressed. Mm. And I was like, that's somebody riding into the back of a bus flat out. Mm. How is that possible? Well, I tell you, I tell you how it's possible. Um, I tell you how it's possible. Um, what can I say now without, I probably shouldn't say much. No, no, um, no, no. And no, no. I, I think we all know how it's possible. It's, it's just, he's training so hard. He's trying so hard. He's in Colombia. It's very difficult to control the roads out there. Right. He's got his head down, but there's a parked bus that he rides. Well, the bus is, the, I mean, I've ridden on Colombian buses with Rendolero a couple of years ago, David, and they don't, they don't have bus stops. Um, they will uh, pull over. They will pull over at the drop of a hat when someone wants to stop and get off, and they'll pick someone up who has their arm in the air at the side of the road. So they they, they drive in erratic erratic manners. Um, but most significantly, and this is what I want. I mean, first things first. As as we record this, I understand that Egan Manal is recovering, but he's still in intensive care. He's conscious and he's been operated on, and the prognosis is good um, in terms of his. Um, uh, you know, broadly his health. I mean, I think we're a long way from saying Egan Bernal will be able to resume his racing career to any great extent. I don't think that's a given at all at the moment. Um, but he's alive and he is recovering, which is wonderful news because he's a, a, a fabulous human being. But going back to the accident, David, he was he was training on public roads on a time trial bike. Now, um, 99.9% of our listeners will never will never ever ride a time trial bike and will not know the difference and why that is such a mm. potentially significant factor in this accident. I mean, it, it's yeah. worth probably explaining that to folk, isn't it? Yeah. Like, first, I don't think anybody's to blame on this one. I think it's, um, it's just one of those ones where you learn from it. But at the same time, when you're on a TT bike, a TT bike, um, and these are and I'm just getting, I'm going to get back into this in the next three months with my time traveler challenge because I want to do this and, and get fast again for me. Yeah. But I'm looking at my TT bikes and I haven't been on one for seven years. And I know if I get, and I was saying to Ross, who I work with a chapter three, have you ever ridden a TT bike? He's like, no, I said, you should get on one. It's so fast, like crazy fast. But to the degree where you don't notice how fast you're going, Right, right. Because you're on it and everything starts, you're adding 20%, 25% on. And mm. as a pro bike racer, that's a lot of speed. You know, it's a, it's a, and doing it on open roads, it's one of those ones where you've got to be really careful because you don't do it very often. So when you jump on a TT bike, uh, everything speeds up and it's probably equates to, if I was going to do a calculation, Two percent of your training life is on a TT bike. Two percent so, was that two percent of your training life as well? I think David? still as, as a specialist, I'd say two. I'd say up to five now, five percent of total volume on bikes, and that's just me kind of finger in the air. Yeah, but I'd say probably five percent of your total volume of training, ninety-five mm. percent road bike, five percent TT bike. Mm. So when you get on a TT bike, it's a different effort. You're doing different training. It's a different bike. You're going faster, and you don't have the perception. And mm. you you do when you're on a road bike, you've always got your head up because you're tilted more up. You've you're literally sitting up on a TT bike in the modern positions. The the whole protocol now is to hide. So mm. you put your head down. You you look at your front wheel and people can't see me because it's a podcast, but you literally will look at your forearms and then look up to check where you are. Hmm. And what you will often do is, is forget that your perception of speed has changed. So he might've looked up and seen the bus and think it's fine. Hmm. And then not realized that, and he might've been thinking I can get around that at the last second because he's a racer and not anticipated it slowing down. Mm. And within the 15, 20 seconds he's done that, it's happened. Ah. And he's gone into it straight. And it's that's why I think we haven't adapted the training 
kind of style because the speed they're going at is even better now. You know, he's going super fast when he's in that TT position. So he might have been thinking, seeing that burst, oh, I'll just whip round it at the last second. I might even use his slipstream for a bit. And mm. as you're saying, if in Columbia they don't have bus stops, it mm. suddenly stops. He's He's gone into it in his position, glanced up, seen it, gone back down into his, looking at his forearms, and going, I'll look back up in three, four seconds, and I'll dart around it. He's mm. looked up and realized, or he hasn't looked up and just gone straight into the back of it. Because mm. that's all happened in maybe 10 seconds mm. um so it's, it's not his fault it's the team will have to adapt kind of how you you can't let these kids ride these modern bikes and modern, modern equipment and modern methods on open roads mm. but what you can mm. on open roads we've got to make sure you have a, a, a car in front a car behind well you've got i mean dash cams you've got to have everything you've got to I, I, I mean, radios I know, I know that Nairo Quintana, when he trains in Colombia, has always um, had the benefit of a police outrider in front of him. Mm, yeah. Um, so there, I, I think there are certain lessons to to have been learned yeah. there. Uh, it's worth noting as well as Egan Bernal recovers that Amy Peters, uh, who had that terrible head injury in that crash um, weeks ago now, I think is still in an induced coma. And um, although she's stable, she, her prognosis is far from certain. And uh, so they've been... Um, they've it's, been a mad, a sport. it's a mad sport, isn't it? It's a mad sport, David. Yeah. yeah and it, it seems of, to have been a particularly yeah. brutal spring and winter in mm. terms of um, accidents. There have been a number of accidents. Amy Peters' accident, I think, was in Calpe, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and she wasn't the only one this year. She obviously has come off much the worse of everyone else. But uh, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been brutal. And... Um, and I don't know what the answer is. I mean, you know, the open roads were, were your were your training ground back yeah. in the day. Yeah, but, I, you... but I'd, I'd always choose. I, I had my designated TT training roads, and I knew they were incredibly. And I most of my almost all my TT training was done on my own, hmm. and I had one section of road which I trusted, and I changed my my riding pattern to to being on the open road, even on those sessions. I'd hmm. look up more often. I, and it was just me. I didn't have team cars. I didn't have. I wasn't a Tour de France winner. I didn't have a following car, a lead car. I didn't have outriders. Hmm. But I had. I knew I'd found my section where it was as safe as it could possibly be on the open road. Hmm. And you, you got to do it. And especially with those bikes, they're absolute weapons now. And the hmm. athletes now are just incredible. They hmm. go incredibly fast, and they don't realise how fast they're going compared to what they do most of the time. So their perception of distance is just slightly, it's off by 50, a hundred meters. And because they're not used to doing it and those 50, hundred meters can, well, you can end up in the back of a bus. Mm. So you've got to be really mm. careful. Well, let's hope, let's hope, let's hope Egan gets back, you know, let's, I mean, you know, it's a long road, I'm sure for him. So here, here's, here's my positive yeah. twist on that one. Go on. You know, he had his back problems and yeah. his injuries. Yeah. It might be a case that this absolute reset will allow everything to heal. Luke Rowe, Luke Rowe springs to mind. Luke Rowe. Yeah, Luke Rowe, uh, Marco Pantani, to use another yeah. one. Um, sometimes these injuries force in these uber athletes to pause for a bit and reset. And that back injury that's been niggling and these different things, he would never give it the time to heal. Now he's broken his back. He's done all these different things. He's going to be a year, 18 months out. He's still so young. Correct his whole body and come back stronger and better because he is, he's phenomenal. He's got hyper recovery abilities. And now he can take a season out with none of the pressure and look after himself without any expectations. So I, the, the, the optimist in me thinks that Egan Bernal has a huge opportunity ahead of him now to spend a year fixing himself. And to then, although he was the youngest ever Tour de France winner, to come back 20, when he's 24, 25, and be much better than he would have been if he'd kept battling through his niggling injuries. So He was the youngest the ever sort of... He was kind of the youngest... Well, in the modern era, he was yeah. the kind of the youngest... Tour de France winner ever, wasn't he, for a year? <laughs> yeah. Well, when he won but it. <laughs> do, 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 you, um, do, you, do you like watching Egan Bernal race? Because I do a huge amount. I do. So. I find him yeah. 
because I he's um he breaks the mold and he he races like an old bike racer. He's overgeared. He he yeah. tackles in the he he tackles uh, as a Freudian slip. He attacks uh, hmm. in places which you wouldn't expect. Yeah, he, when he goes, he goes, and he switches from you can you can read his emotion. Hmm. He's he's a very relaxed happy lovely guy but when he goes he looks dangerous yeah i mean i think we didn't we last year i think you know every day you and i were podcasting the the giro weren't we never straight far fale and and following his progress and that but we really i felt over those three weeks in italy last year when he won the giro i felt we really got to know him yeah we really got to know his character because it was unleashed wasn't it and we saw the fragility that moment of uh, despair almost when danny martinez had to had to prevent him from giving up. I mean, it was right in the on the bat in the balance, wasn't it? When he was being yeah. attacked, and you go, he's a kid. Yeah, it's he's, he's, and and I think we forget because of all that, all those things. And he, I think from that moment and different things of the past year, I, this sounds really kind of uh, hindsight. Wait, there's been a descending spiral that's led to this for him. That is almost, it's just, he needs to reset. He needs to reset because he is, next to Pogaccia, the greatest talent in cycling. And yeah. I talk about Grand Tour Race, Van Der Poel, Van Aert, but even Van Aert and Van Der Poel would go Pogaccia and Bernal. Yeah. They'd be like, no, God, no. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so that's where we are on those. Yeah, wish him all the best. Um, so th- in the meantime, so you mentioned his name. You mentioned his name earlier. The racing suddenly is coming thick and fast, isn't it? We've had the, we've had the. I mean, the women haven't started yet on the road, but they're going to start fairly soon. Um, I think in Valencia, aren't they? And um, but already the Mallorca Classic series with all its trofeo, like complicated names that always unpronounceable. The trofeo, and they always change every year. The challenge me. I don't even know what the series is called. In commentary, I never know what to say about it. You know, and of course, just, he was the winner of one of the Mallorca one day races mm-hmm. that formed this complicated series that isn't a series. Well, Brandon, anyway. I saw because I was. And again, Brandon McNulty. Brandon McNulty. Brandon. Party hey, Brandons. Party Brandons, man. Party Brandons. <laughs> Chad Cohen. Chad, of course, Chad's coming. Jet's yeah. got coming. Because um, <clears throat> I saw Brandon McNulty and I was like, oh, that's cool. Well done. Um, yeah. And, but I didn't say anything to Nicole, my wife. I didn't say, oh, Brandon's won. And then yesterday I saw Valverde when I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Valverde just won. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet every single pro cyclist in the world has kind of just looked screws and gone, oh, oh wow. God. <laughs> 41-year-old Alejandro Valverde has just made a mockery of everybody again. <laughs> it's a pretty good field as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, so and, oh, and by the way, by the way, he finished, I mean, he beat, <laughs> he beat Alejandro Valverde and that group that came to the line in the Port uh, uh, Dandrax uh, race. Dandrax. Badly, yeah. badly put, Dandrax. Um, he beat McNulty, who'd won the first of the series, <coughs> and Alexander Vlasov, who now rides for Border Hansgrohe. So that's not bad, is it? He's Both of whom are... as well, Vlasov. How are you feeling about Vlasov these days? Well, you know, we'll see how he goes with Border Hansgrohe. Um, mm. you know. I'm feeling a bit anemic about Alexander Vlasov, I'll be perfectly honest. <coughs> Tim Vellens won uh, the race before that, beating Alejandro Valverde. So he got a second place to, to Vellens, um, Tim Wellens, I should say. And um, and the two races before that, so the first one was won by Brandon McNulty, the Trofeo Calvia. Um, mm. As you say, though, David, do you know the details of that win? No. Any of the okay? So he attacked with sixty kilometers to go. Oh yeah, I did see that, and then I did see one of the other kind of lines was he had no power or heart. No rate. heart rate went yeah, both for different went. reasons. I think they just. Um, but isn't that interesting? Isn't, isn't interesting. that interesting? So, so Brandon McNulty, how old is he? Oh, I'm going to guess. Can I guess? Yes. I, no, I'll tell you what, I'll guess. I'm going to guess he's 24. And now I'm going to look up the fact. So Brandon McNulty is one of these he ones is, kind of... He is, wait, 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 wait. 23. I was only a year out. Okay, yep. He's really good. <clears throat> he's got he's got all the things that you need to be a he's grand He's kind of... And he's in a team that's... Because, you know, one of my favourite writers is Sepp Kuss. Um, uh, you know, I know you love Sepp. 
Yeah. But Brandon McNulty is kind of creeping up and doing these results, but because he's not on that, the biggest stage, but he's doing some amazing, when I say biggest stage, he's not racing with, uh, on a soup, an amazing big team with some well, big races. Well, David, he's, he's UAE team Emirates. Yeah, but he's, he's very rarely put with the A team. Yeah, that's true. That's what yeah. I mean with the, the yeah. really big team. Cause <clears throat> he will be, if, if, so if he is put in the, the Pogaccia Tour de France team mm. and he's at the front leading out, kind of put it, plant it, then all of a sudden Brandon McNulty becomes a big name. Yeah. Well, then he becomes Jonas Vingegaard. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he? Good point. Yeah. He's in that role. Runs. I'm but sure he's going to go to the Tour de France this year because he's. How could you leave him? He's such an exceptional. He can do everything. He can do a little bit of everything, that guy. Ned, it's February the 1st. Yeah, he probably will be, won't he? Yeah, it's February yeah. the 1st. But I mean, that, my point being, they'll be like, it's still very. There's a, it's a long time till the Tour de France. Hmm. It's. Hmm. Let's see how he's going in hmm. April. Let's see hmm. how he's going in May. And. Because he's young, but, but he's. I but I like I like the fact that he won this race in good company in Mallorca, and I know it's only one of the Mallorca races, but it was it was reminiscent of the race that made his name in the first place, which was at the Dubai Tour, God knows how many years ago, five years ago, when on the Hatterdam stage he was in a breakaway with um, Connor Dunn and people like that, and the, the breakaway just crumbled as it always does, and that when you get into the hills approaching, or the rolling terrain approaching the Hatterdam finish. But he just went, no, I'm going to carry on. I'm going to plug on. I'm going to plug on. And he was caught on the ramp to the Hatterdam finish, you know, by a World Tour peloton. And no one had heard of this kid, McNulty, at that point. Um, what's, what's, what's going on with the desert races at the moment? Well, they're, yeah, no, they're morally compromised as ever. Um, <laughs> God, I was talking. I was ta- I, Yeah, I say that. I'm, I'm actually about to go to the United Arab Emirates for the UAE mm. tour. So, you know, look at me. <laughs> Mr. Morally Unimpeachable, but um, we'll have time to chew the cud because we should do a few pods when I'm out there. Oh, and, we should um, do like a little, um, we should make it more of a history of the UAE. That, wouldn't that be so interesting? I'd love I'd to love know that. a bit more, actually, it's, about that. Yeah, I'd love to know a bit because I know a little bit about it, but I'd love to know And at the end, so I'll do, we can do like stage, we can do little stage wraps. I'll do a load of, load of history and then at the end I can just say, and Caleb Ewan won. Um, because well, that's kind of do. what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was talking to a journalistic colleague whose name I won't mention just to protect their identity recently, who'd been not a, not at a cycling event at another big sporting event in Saudi Arabia Steve relatively Karen. recently. No, relatively recently. And I was kind of saying, so what's it like going to Riyadh? Is that a bit like that? And he goes, and they went, um, well, it's okay. I mean, you know, once you get around the fact that in the main square in the middle of Riyadh, I can't remember the name of the square, there are gutters designed for the blood to run off from the public executions. Oh, that's nice. Once you get over that, it's absolutely fine. Mm. Uh, so, okay. so, I mean, I'm glad, I'm very glad, David, that I've never been asked to go out to do the Saudi tour because mm. I think I would have to say no. That <laughs> might actually break your moral ability what, to compromise would you go? your values. Would you go? Actually, that's quite a good question, David, because... There's no, there's no noise. If there's loads of money, yeah, I'd probably go. Would you? No, okay, now? Would you go now? Uh, Probably not. Well, just because, well, if there's loads of money, I probably would. But I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. I'm not educated. So if I, if I learn from, you're saying I'll go and read it now this evening, because that's what I'm like, then tomorrow morning I'll say I won't go, because I'm not up to speed on it. Well, I mean, they, okay, you know, they assassinate dissident journalists and chop them into a million pieces. Oh, Saudi. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but no, it's... They're, they are, yeah. they execute LGBT communities. They just allowed they women to drive women. cars 18 months ago. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to recommend the ruling. You know, I'm no, sure the people, I, yeah, I'm know, sure I the people and the, the country is wonderful, yeah. but um, the, the people in charge are, hmm. ain't great, really. Anyway, hilariously today, their Saudi tour got underway and uh, presumably they chucked money at it, which mm. for them is like um, the which equivalent works. of finding 5p down the back of the couch, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and uh, the plane, the aeroplane couldn't get up. So for whatever reason, it wasn't allowed to take off. So there were no pictures until the peloton reached the fixed line cameras in the final 100 metres. 
And it was maybe a bit of karma playing out there. And oh, Caleb Ewan won a sprint. That nobody saw. It's like a tree falling in a forest. It was a little bit. I mean, we did see the sprint, but it was like, do you remember that time when the, the plane couldn't get up on the Tour de Yorkshire? Oh, I do and remember the, that on the women's <laughs> On the women's race. And uh, yeah. I had to commentate on the last 50 metres. <laughs> Lizzie Dignan, Dignan, Dignan! And that was about it today with, with Caleb Ewan. Uh, yeah. So, so, this, so yeah, the Saudi tour's up and running. Caleb Ewan got the first stage today, beating a um, bunch of people. Uh, I suppose his biggest sort of blue-ribboned rival was Dylan Groenewegen, who's now so, riding for... David, Dylan Groenewegen is riding now for... Uh, I know this. We, we discussed uh, it, we discussed it. I know, I know this. Hang on. Because you sort of thought, at the beginning, you think... What? And then you you say this team's name and you go, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Do you remember? I've forgotten. Bike exchange. Oh yeah. No, I wasn't going to get that. I anyway, was not going to get that. Okay. So, but anyway, he finished nowhere today and um, there was a gravel sector uh, on today's stage, which no one saw, but apparently there's a crash in it. So um, there we go. And, uh, and simultaneously the Sharjah, tour is going on as well so that's another gulf state Sharjah I think is one of the United Arab Emirates how many there's seven isn't there in the UAE so that's me stabbing the dark Uh, yeah sounds about right yeah it was formed in 1974 the UAE I remember that I think (laughs) floating Uh, yeah yeah, that sounds about right yeah yeah yeah. so this is why we should do your UAE tour we should literally do the history because I think it's fascinating UAE Genuinely, you know, make and they're it, making a real the, kind of mission for us. It's, it's going to be as much for us as our listeners is to learn about UAE. And specifically, I think the interesting thing is that the the differences between Abu Dhabi and Dubai, Huge. because they are culturally quite distinct and they are rival city states. Basically, mm. you know, it's quite there's something quite medieval about it. Um, so, so you know, um, so in Dubai, they have the tallest building in the world. Yeah, the um, Burj Al Burj Al Khalif. Yeah, that's what yeah. I want to say. Yeah. So you know why it's called the Khalif is because when so the UAE, the, actually the richest part of the UAE is um, is Abu Dhabi, and they were running out of money, and the Khalif is in Abu Dhabi, and so he said, "Okay, fine, I'll I'll pay for the rest of your construction, but you're going to call it the Khalif." Dubai were running out of uh, so it was yeah. funded by Abu Dhabi, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so so the, the Zayed Khalif, family, yeah, yeah. So the Caliph mm. is in Abu Dhabi, mm. and it's uh, it's just it's it's brilliant, all that stuff, yeah. Mm. So that's why it's called the Burj Al Caliph because mm. the Caliph sits in Abu Dhabi. All right, yeah. well, let's do that. When I go to the United Arab Emirates, we will take we will take we will take my location seriously, and that will go some way to assuage my slightly guilty conscience about being there no i think it's a great idea I, I, I genuinely i think our um, listeners would be fascinated by it it's yeah and i think it's really good for you and me to learn more about that region as well yeah i, I do remember and I, forgive me if i've already said this on the podcast i remember going there to commentate uh maybe five six years ago and um essentially I, my fee i'm kind of being paid by well uh, that was the dubai tour and I was sort of employed via an intermediary by the Dubai Sports Council, which is a government organisation. And um, obviously, like any other bike race, the bike race exists to showcase the, showcase the country and sort of sell it to an international tourist market. And the, on the eve of the race, I was sat down with the, the president of the Dubai Sports Council and the glossy brochure that they produced for me highlighting all the things that we would see from the helicopters and what I should say about them mm. when they popped up on our screens. And sort of item 27 was the Dubai labour camp. <laughs> and I, I said, Uh-oh. so is that a, um, so is that, what's that, is that a, uh, and they went, it's a labour camp. Does that mean that who, so that's where your, that's where our labourers live. Okay. Um, and and what what do you what I, to find a, a labourer? Yeah, my, can I make a suggestion that you find a different term like to describe it on the graphics? And they went, they said, no, no, it's a labour camp. And I went, okay. <laughs> so listen, we there'll be plenty of time, I think, when we're out there. That's good. That's a mission. 
to, to talk about that. Oh, and one of the other one of the other Mallorca races, David. I, and I think this is really significant and you know hugely significant actually, and um, you know will we, we'll represent a story that will we'll need to follow throughout the year and we'll we'll follow kind of with great interest i think the first two riders over the line in a bunch sprint finish on the um port dal sudia to port dal sudia race as part of the um uh, the mallorca series were both from africa one uh, was ryan one was ryan gibbons in second place who's a white south african and in first place biniam girmai from Eritrea, who came up with some um, uh, fantastic results, didn't he? Didn't he finish in second place in the under twenty three World Championships? I watched. I watched the sprint, and he smashed, it. He, he smashed smashed it. it. he smashed it. He was amazing. He's yeah. from Asmara, the, the capital through. of Eritrea. Yeah, and well, I mean that's a really, really big win uh, for him. It's, you know what's so encouraging about that because you see this within the kind of the. The alternative side of cycling, you have this this team called Legion LA, um, which is in, in the crit racing scene and very innovative, huge following. And the world tour scene is very different. And you're starting to see black athletes, super rare, but they're doing it and they're doing it really well, which is the, the hopefully going to need a lot of support behind it to, to encourage more to do. Because yeah. but they're going to need a huge amount of support because... I'd be terrified going to a sport that was filled with black people being the only white person <laughs> and and not having the means to do it. So hopefully we can find ways to to encourage that. And well, if you, yeah, I see what you mean. So if you flip it round and kind of coming yeah. from that position of massive disadvantage, mm-hmm. you know, which is, I mean, you know, in the road book last year, I asked a, a Rwandan writer, um, Peter Kamasa, who writes for the Rwandan Times to do a piece about the state of um, black, Mm. specifically black African cycling. So I was kind of discounting, if you like, the white riders from South Africa Mm. who predominate in um, Doug Ryder's setup Mm. that used to be. Um, And uh, he, he said often it's as simple as this. You know, if you want to go and get a work permit to go and race in Europe, you can't get it. Yeah, You are discriminated, you know, as a Rwandan. Pure technicalities. well, yeah, but, but on a systemic technicality, because yeah. you know, we, if you're a Rwandan who wants to come to yeah. work in the in in London as a, I don't know an electrician or a nurse mm-hmm. or a doctor, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, and the same is if you're a cyclist. So, and the, I think that's, the inequalities, that's what we kind of the inequalities are the the number of hurdles and completely for for white kids and the majority of us, it's often the biggest hurdle is having a parent who cares too much <laughs> and yeah. spoils you for yeah. them. It's just, how do I get a bite? Just how do I getting there? Just, just even getting, getting started, <laughs> you know, <laughs> without totally any, different. without any system backing you yeah. up or anything. So, but yeah. no, Biniam Grumai, I think has got the, you know, he's backing it up now. That yeah, was, super I've just cool. double checked. I was right. He was second in the under 23 world championships mm. last year in Flanders. Uh, he also lost, he also last year won another, um, one day race, the classic Grand Besançon Double um, race, which is, you know, and he won a stage of the Tour of Rwanda when he was a kid. He's only 21 oh, and he's a sprinter. Wow. And, you know, he beat, he beat Giacomo Nizzolo. Like, potential chapter three when we have loads of money athletes. Yeah, he'll be, be, you better move fast because he'll be beyond you pretty quickly if he carries on like this. Oh, no. uh, Damn it. No, but that's um, a really, really exciting development. And Antemarché Wanty Gobert is the team he rides for and they've got a really good rider there. So, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Anything else? I've got another, I've got another audience um, contribution, David. Let's go for it. What is it? Um, Well, David Schofield has, has written to us and it's a, and and given us a little audio contribution. David wrote, um, hi, both. I've been enjoying the podcast for a long time and suddenly made a connection in my brain about one of the genius ways that you wittingly or unwittingly lure us listeners in. And um, what he has done is he has um, analysed the way that, I don't think either you or I knew it, but we have a genius method, David, of of, um, enticing our listeners and keeping them happy. And this is it. Hello, David and Ned. 
or Ned and David. Let's not go there. Uh, my name's David. I'm from Sheffield, just on the edge of the Peak District. I'm an exotic pet of yours outside of the London listener enclave. I really enjoy the podcast as well as getting out on my bike. And one of the things I like about it is the way it makes me feel smart, strangely. Uh, I was listening to another podcast with an FBI hostage negotiator who was talking about tactical empathy. And one of the key things to do to get someone on side is make them feel smart. And it struck me that you do this in a wonderful way, or a few ways, actually. Firstly, if I'm listening to you and you're talking about something I don't really know about, you actually make me feel smarter. Secondly, this happens quite a bit, you're talking about something and I think, that might be right, but I'm a bit dubious. So I go away and check it out myself. Thus, I actually get smarter. The third way you do it, and I think you do this best, is you leave me wanting to shout corrections at my phone. Uh, That instinct to correct, the hostage negotiator was saying, is a vital tool to get more information and build more empathy and understanding of the hostage taker. So, in lots of ways, you make us feel smarter or make us smarter. What a wonderful thing to do. Really enjoying the podcast. Keep up the good work. And by the way, tactical empathy is an interesting topic. I wonder if David has any stories about Peloton life where people build tactical empathy in order to plan a breakaway or do some damage to a leader, which then suddenly disappears once the job is over. Interesting thought. Anyway, love the podcast. And rest assured, I'll spread the word up here in the People's Republic of South Yorkshire. So what I take from that, David, is principally because we are inaccurate and uh, ill-informed and we jump to conclusions and uh, reach the wrong, you know. uh, um, Yeah, I mean, I I get where he's coming from and it's, it's true. But at the same time, we're having to absorb a lot of information. Yeah, and occasionally take punts. <laughs> I'll give you an example. I was looking yesterday at a picture. Uh, it was on Instagram. Mm. Looks, uh, just checking through th- what's going on because I can't get into my account anymore. So I was seeing what, and I looked at an account called Archaeology or something and had huge cliffs. And I was, it still haunts me mm-hmm. that I can't. That I got, I don't know where the highest cliffs in the world are. To this day, you don't. Nope. Weren't they? Do didn't you know? we establish they? What, what, I'm trying to remember. Didn't we establish they're in Norway? Mm. Is that right? that was Europe? I think. Oh, uh, yeah, sea cliffs specifically, right? Highest cliffs okay. in Europe. Yeah. Don't know. Um, well, if anyone wants to definitively lay that one to bed, because it has been going on a number of years now, mm. um, that would be uh, be very welcome. Listen, I'm feeling slightly guilty on behalf of our listeners, David, for the sheer welter of quality cycling content that we've delivered in this podcast. I know we shouldn't do that very often, and I know I know that Nando's will be disappointed. Uh, well, you know what, Nando's they're, they're, they're kind of they're, you know. they're just testing us to see. No, wow, yeah. what the content is. And it's, it's time we spoke a little bit more about Because also, it's perfectly timed because the season's starting to kick off. Oh, isn't it just? Oh, so oh by the way. we're warming up. Okay, so next time we pod, David, um, I, it's actually before I go to the United Arab Emirates, I'm going next week to the tour of Antalya in Turkey. Oh, that's beautiful. Have you been to I Antalya? I've never been to Turkey. But I know it's like, I've read and no friends. It's supposed to be amazing. Yeah. So um, it's one of those, it's a full day race and it, it starts and finishes every stage in Antalya in this little town on the So you get to stay there the whole time? Stay there the whole time in the same hotel with the teams and oh, everything. So it's going to be content, going to be generating content, content like there's no tomorrow. And it's going to be quite a nice trip. So I'm quite looking forward to that. So yeah. Cool, cool. Just kind of just, and this is super me racing style. Mm. The Santos Australian thing, what was that? What, what this year mm-hmm. it was the same as what they did last year it was for australian domestic teams because no one can get in and out of australia can they readily so yeah the tour down under didn't happen so Luke yeah Platt. richie porch kind of did he win another did he win another stage plappy? he was good plappy or plappy the old plapster no, Plappy. Um, I don't know. Did he? Did did um, Richie Port win the Willunga? I know there was a load of stuff about him doing. I Willunga saw some stuff, time. but it's I didn't actually go deep enough to see if he'd won or not. <laughs> <laughs> just, just 
<laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to have to stroll back, see if I can find any information about it. I'll tell you what, I'm just, let me just talk amongst yourself, Rich. Yeah, because I, I saw that as well and I was like, oh, what is the Santos tour? Or the Santos. Yeah, it was a kind of domestic version. It was a domestic and version. Quite, oh, look. So it doesn't really pop up on the results either because it's not a UCI race. So, you know what it is? It's, it's literally like um, the Mallorca Challenge series. Yeah, but those are, races. those are those are the Mallorca ones are, are UCI races, aren't they? Yeah, they're heavy weaponry. They're kind of yeah. But this this um yeah this does this doesn't actually appear. The um, so I don't know if you can <laughs> yeah. So my basic googling can't yeah, can't okay. help us. Uh, well, well done, Luke. Right. If you did win, or perhaps the yeah, and uh, oh, Richie oh. as well, little Richie. This is his final um, year. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be our final year at this rate as well. Um, okay. All right. Nice to speak very to you. Good. It's nice very late at you. night. Go nice to bed. Across you. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye.